Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America podcast. I'm your host, J.J. Cooper, along with Jim Schonard. And this week we're going to finally, after it's been a while, it's been a, basically the offseason, but we're, we're wrapping up our, our looks at the, uh, the different uh, top tens. We're wrapping up with the AL West, last but definitely not least. And before we do that, though, we want to tell you that when it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game. Introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy, because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to the people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free. Get the season started right. Visit your nearest Demo House today. Locations and full details can be found at demarini.com backslash demo house. And Jim... We're, you're alongside today. You you did the A's top ten, yep. which I would imagine was a, a pretty fun one to do. I mean, it's it's a system that, for one thing, changes over pretty quickly. They promoted a whole lot of guys, but then you know Billy Bean's always trading, so there's always a a, a new group of guys coming in. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great to be here, JJ, on my first uh, yeah this podcast is, this debut, is podcast debut here. Debut. And, uh, well, it's been a long journey for all of us here. Uh, well, the first top ten came out online in what? November? November, early grades. November. And so we're here sitting here in uh, late January, finally getting the uh, last ones out the door there. Feel, feels good because we're going to kind of wrap this up just in time to get ready for spring training. I mean, it's, spring training is not far away now, thankfully. Yeah, with the A's, it was my uh, my introduction to doing a top 30. And it was definitely one of the things that struck me is obviously you have, they had all the pitchers in there last year with Anderson, Cahill, uh, Gio Gonzalez, Vin Mazar. All those guys are gone. So it's you know now it's a lot more hitter heavy in the top ten, but you know in the eleven through thirty it's a lot more pitcher oriented. That's still where the I think that's still where the strength of the organization is. And really the other thing that struck me is as you mentioned, there's a lot of guys that have been brought in through trades. It, I mean, I number read, one and number two, right? Yeah, yeah, starting with number one and number two, and then uh, even my original number two got traded for the new number two. <laughs> that worked for, out nicely. Uh, Brett Wallace for Michael Taylor. So, and then yeah, and the other thing is just how many international guys they have. That's that pro, especially on the inner pitching side, again, that's something that's really step, stepped up for them over the last uh, few years here. Well, one thing you mentioned about how it's kind of a hitter-heavy top ten, that's probably a good thing for them because Definitely. the reality is, is they don't have many spots right now open in the, uh, you know, the starting rotation is pretty full of young pitchers who should be there a long time. Yeah, every member of that rotation was, uh, I believe, 26 or younger last year, I think. The only one that kind of skewed it was they had Brett Tomko coming at the end of the year, but other than that, everyone was... And obviously you had Anderson and Cahill, both uh, like 21 or 22 at most, and uh, and so yeah, and, th- and they need offense is obviously the thing. Is that Matt Holliday didn't, you know, he didn't hit. He wasn't bad, but he didn't hit like they hoped they would. He wasn't the uh, all star we'd seen in Colorado, so and or, then, or the all star he was once he got. Oh yeah, once he got to St. Louis, <laughs> back in the friendly confines of the NL. So um, but yeah, and then you get when you get Michael Taylor and Chris Carter, the, the top of the system there, and both those guys should be in the big leagues within. Probably Taylor sooner, probably at least by the middle of this year, and Carter by the end of the year, certainly. So putting, you know, if you look two or three years down the road, those two guys in the middle of the lineup, that's just a huge, those could be those huge difference makers. Well, get a little bit, you mentioned Taylor. So why do you think the uh, A's, you know, pulled that trade? They trade, you know, 
as you said, your, your number two you're going to have, Brett Wallace, who I believe is number two in the handbook. He is, he is still in number the handbook. Number two in the handbook, because it happened before, uh, you know, happened. the trade happened after we finished the handbook, and you replaced him with Michael Taylor. Why do you think they made that trade? Well, I think one of the things is they just, they had a real logjam of corner guys, especially first baseman. Um, I mean, if you assume that Wallace is a first baseman two, three years from now, which is kind of what I did when I was doing that rankings, that's one of the reasons I put Carter ahead of him. So if you, you know, if you look at their lineup, especially when they bring back Jack Cust, they've got so you have Derek Barton and Jack Cust at the major league level who can play first, and then you had Wallace Carter at the time, Tommy Average, uh, Sean Doolittle is another guy that can play first. That's a lot of guys for you know for basically for four spots when you got first base DH at the two levels. So they, you know, you put Car- um, Chris Carter in left field, they can put Sean Doolittle in right field. They can, you know, just leave Wallace at third for a while, but it makes more sense to to bring right. in a guy like Taylor who can bring more defensive value and is not a you're not a liability, and you don't have to worry about finding right. He can play that. right if you need him to, and if not, is going to be you know he played left. I know a lot with the Phillies, but that was partly because he ended up a lot of times with Dominic Brown, who's who's just a you know could be an exceptional right fielder, but but I mean a, a true corner, someone who's not you know not going to have to move to the infield, got some athleticism. But I think we both agree, you know, we were looking at it kind of going into here. You know, we've got only four AL West teams, and one of the things we've been doing a lot of these podcasts is, is talking about, so let's rank them. How do you see these top tens shaping up? I think we both agree the Rangers, uh, number one. I think they have to be, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, and that may... Martin Perez is your number three. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the, you know, you basically have... A uh, the Rangers have had a system for the last couple of years that's gotten just better and better. It really seems like ever since they made the Mark Teixeira trade, that kind of uh, you know helped turn the corner. And I mean they're they're still benefiting from uh, you know from that trade as far as their top ten is in addition to the uh, the big league level. But Justin Spoke also Justin Spoke mm-hmm. being your number two prospect is a a very very good thing. Mm-hmm. And you know Tanner Shepard is number four is someone who has really one of the better arms, you know, in the minors now. I mean, he'll, well, Absolutely. he will have it once he, he hasn't thrown, I guess, officially a pro pitch yet. He will. <laughs> You're into our indie ball guru, so yeah. he could judge that. I will say safely, he had the best arm in indie ball last year. <laughs> and that's nothing against Aaron Crow, but, you know, as far as just pure velocity and all, Tanner Shepard's was, was a, uh, a step above. So, yeah. But to me, the interesting guy is in a system as deep as the Rangers have, you had number five Jerickson Profar, who uh, again they you know you talked about the A's the uh, the Rangers are another team that that seems to go uh, deep you know as far as they they scout internationally pretty heavily and and, and Profar you know interesting write up he's uh, a long ways away uh, you know as a guy who hasn't yet to play you know official he hasn't have you know pro at bat either but very interesting guy to kind of watch for long term. It just seems like they have a good mix of arms and bats. They have a good mix of nearly big league ready guys, guys levels, yeah. you know, and guys who are a long ways away. So it just seems like it's really a good mix. Who do you think is number two, I mean, uh, of these four? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I suppose I could say I'm biased towards the A's a little bit. But, um, I mean, they do – I do think there's definitely a bit of a, a – di- you know, kind of a dichotomy between the four when you have the – you have the A's, and then you take the Mariners as well. Are both more hitter heavy, and then the Rangers and the Angels are both more pitcher oriented. The Angels are kind of interesting one to me because they've got, so you've got the two first rounders this year in Trout and Grychuk, and then you know really, and you got four, they've got four guys from their draft in this year's uh, in this year's top ten, which is never, which yeah. is not usually a good sign. I mean, no. that's that's usually the uh, the 
you know, you can decode that as not much in the system, but they did spend a lot of money yeah. in this year's draft after several years of not even having first-round picks. And they, you know, in addition to that, those guys, a lot of them had really good years. I mean, Trout had, you know, uh, an exceptional year, now admittedly very low levels. But uh, but it does seem like that there is, it's, it's an, it's, even when we talk about Trout, Jack, Grychuk, you know, you've got some hitters there. But it does seem like the success of this top ten will depend a lot about, on, you know, on the pitching. Yes, and then, you know, and then when you take a look at the, uh, you know, at the big league level where this division is kind of going, where the, you know, the Angels have been so dominant these last few years, but now they're losing Lackey and Figgins. And, you know, when you look at their, and with, with the Mariners are adding guys like Cliff Lee and obviously moving up, uh, you know, getting into contention last year, you know, I wonder where the, and the Rangers obviously as well, you wonder where the kind of direction this division is going to take over the next few years. I think it's hard not to like what Seattle's doing because it seems like the Jack Lorenzic came in and really, I mean, he, he turned the mindset around pretty quickly. I, I mean, the Mariners seem to be a team heading in the wrong direction. And very quickly they kind of turned that around. One of the things that jumped, I mean, they they just re, you know, they just got Felix, you know, signed to a, a new deal this mm-hmm. week, which is good news for if you're a Mariners fan. But it, it does seem like that they've really kind of had a plan going forward. You know, they've emphasized defense. They really seem to also have emphasized that they don't want to be tied up in long-term contract, especially, I mean, no one wants to be tied up in bad long-term contracts, but the Mariners have been tied up in a lot of bad long-term contracts. I mean, Carlos Silva's contract is not one that anyone would like to, you know, to to remember. I've seen something where, you know, mentioned about that now the Mariners are a team that really has a lot of roster flexibility, a lot of financial flexibility going forward, and and has a, a good amount of talent. I mean, they've they've gotten off that, they had that Stretch there, it seemed like basically they drafted basically uh, right-handed relievers to uh, in the first round year after year after year. Well, it, it seems like now that they're, you know, <laughs> the system is kind of is moving to be a little maybe a little deeper and a little bit more uh, balanced. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of. I mean, personally, when I guess my uh, personal cheese ball for the Mariners would be Adam Moore, the catcher, because I did uh, you know, from doing the PCL top 20 this this fall. I mean. You know, look at their their catching situation. They you know they finally shed Kenji Jojima and you know, they had Rob Johnson there now. But I'm I mean a big believer in more. I mean that guy's his defense has really stepped up from when he was in college when he was a bat first guy there at Texas Arlington and you know he put you know you get him in there him and Saunders who made his debut last year. I mean they've got you know they've got a good mix there. Uh, Saunders I I don't think he's going to be you know a, a an all star maybe but you. You've got to like just a kind of an all-round guy. I mean, he, he's pretty interesting. And then they've got uh, a couple of guys who, whose prospect status may have dimmed a little bit. But, you know, Truenfell isn't, you know, it's something, it's something that he probably got a little bit too, you know, in some circles at least maybe a little bit too much hype at one point because of how young he was. And really, if you looked at it, it was like that was his biggest selling point was he was young. Maybe now he's getting a little bit, you know, now there's, you've seen some immaturity issues. Uh, I guess the question is, is that, you know, is that because, is that a long-term problem or is that just something that he has to basically work through? And we'll be in, it'll be interesting to see that. And then Mr. K, you know, at number eight on the list, Greg Hallman, who a year ago looked like, you know, hey, this, this guy has, a, you know, a chance to be a, a power, you know, a pretty good athlete who's got, you know, power that you just dream of. And then 
seemed like this year from you know seeing the World Baseball Classic on, it was just like, wow, he's really got some problems with his approach that he's going to have to fix. We'll we'll find out yeah. if he can. Do you think there's a chance that you know that I mean he's always going to strike out, but do you think there's a chance that Hallman will figure it out, or do you think he's just a uh, you know a 200k guy who's going to hit 220 because of it? Yeah, I have my doubts. Um, I mean, from seeing, I watched. I think I saw a couple games of theirs. They played at the over in Zebulon against Carolina, and it's just you just wonder where the approach is right now. And you see see some guys like that hit. I mean, obviously he's got the physical abilities, but I don't know. It's 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 reason. There's reason to have doubts. I worry about. We we talk a lot about when you have guys that strike out a lot in the minors, and you know, when, or when you look at guys in the majors who strike out a lot, and you look at their minor league track records, and most of those guys don't strike out a lot in the minors. They, you know, you should be able to, you know, make contact against single A and double A pitchers if you're a major, if you're going to be a major league hitter. So it, right. Yeah, I mean, the stuff, stuff's not going to get easier. No, they're they're going to be, you know, I, I've I've actually heard the argument before on some guys. It's like, hey, this guy will be better when they're around the plate more. Mm. But a lot of that depends on. It's not it's not often guys. It, those are the guys often it's that they make contact, but it's not always good contact. Mm-hmm. And you know, and sometimes I think just guys make excuses for it. But you know, but I, I heard that with Chris Dickerson a lot. With you know, doing the Reds, like there was some arguments. Hey, Chris Dickerson will be a better hitter as he moves up because he makes, you know, not ideal, but he makes contact. You know, he can put the bat on the ball outside of the zone, and as he goes up the ladder, you know, when he's big leagues, they're going to be around the plate more, so he'll actually make contact with better pitches. And it somewhat has, in his case seem to play out that way. I mean, he's been a, a solid hitter in the big leagues. Yeah, when you're talking about Hallman, you're striking out on pitches in the zone, pitches out of the zone, pitches that bounce to the plate. I mean, I, I didn't get as lucky. I, I saw them uh, play in Zebulon one series, but it happened to be the series that he was uh, had just been shut down for a, an injury, which probably was good news for him if he didn't want to set a, you know, a minor league strikeout record. But... I, I do think also with them, uh, having done the Royals, Cortez, Danny Cortez, who's their number nine prospect, you know, very well could end up being a reliever, but that was a nice haul for, you know, they, they picked him up in the UNESCO-Bettencourt trade, and, and that's coming into last season, Cortez was the, the basically the, you know, the top pitching prospect in the Royals organization. Now, he wouldn't have ranked there this year, um, with you know the development of Mike Montgomery, the signing of Aaron Crow, now the signing of Noel Arguelles, development, you know Duffy, Danny Duffy having a great year, you know, But that being said, he's still a, a a guy that they managed to get pretty inexpensively. Especially, I think they pretty much wanted to get rid of Betancourt, and anything they could get for him was just a a bargain in the process. And you look with him, it's it's something where you know that that's a nice pickup, I think, for them as well. And especially as a guy who's not you know not their top pitching prospect by any stretch, but a nice complimentary guy. Yeah, absolutely. One more thing I wanted to address. Uh, yeah. Getting back to the A's, there was, uh, you know, with with Mike Lanoa, obviously he was the, you know, the number one guy from the international class of 08. And they mm-hmm. gave him guy. You got a lot of questions yeah, about the chat. Yeah, on. so I wanted to bring it up because I know he was the number one topic on the my A's chat the other day. Um, you know, I talked to their pitching coordinator Gil Patterson, who saw him down in the Dominican in November, and he said his stuff was still there. Everything was. You know the fastball was still in the low to mid 90s. Curveball was sharp, but I mean we just we didn't put him in the top 10 this year. We just wanted to basically be conservative with that ranking because there's going to be time to make a market correction on that. You know, assuming he uh, if he does you know good into the AZL or Northwest League this year and tears it up. And but uh, you know he does 
and he does have um he obviously hasn't thrown a pitch against live competition yet and he does have a a record <laughs> you know an injury record now yes, so an injury to, record but yeah. also there was some concerns like yeah. i mean that hey you know I, it, it seemed like that you know every time that you know he was talked about this year it was oh he's not that far away from from pitching no. and it just kept on going and going and going now that may mean nothing long term but it's not something you want to hear no. about a guy i mean that's you know that's never a good thing. It could mean nothing long term, but it's not something where you, that's ever a positive when you're talking about ranking a guy. Yeah, I mean, it's like every few weeks we're ha- hearing uh, updates about you know he's throwing off flat ground at 20 feet or you know things like that. And you, know, you can't blame the A's for being conservative with him because he's you know he's only 17 now and obviously they've spent a lot of money on him and there's no need to rush him. But on the other hand, uh, as far as you know making these rankings goes. It, you know, we'd like to see guys that have made that have posted some results. Obviously, well, that's different. You know, when we're talking about the draft guys, we we have especially we do have something to go on. I don't know, especially with the college guys, but I mean, we see the high school guys in, in showcases and everything like that. So it's it's a different well, animal. And, and it is. I mean, our rankings are a blend, but at the same time, it's also true. You didn't do the A's last year. Mm-hmm. You know, where you know we do have different. We do also have different approaches a little bit. Like again, it's, it it is a Baseball America ranking, but <clears throat> There is also is someone's name. Your name's on it. You know, if would you have if you would have been ranking them last year? You know, where you know you would you have had to know where he was, or you may have been a little bit more cautious, like, hey, you know, let me see what he does. You know, the first year he makes it to the U.S. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have had him number three, but I mean that's yeah, you know, and that's, that's not a criticism. That's no, just, but, yeah. that, but that's saying so. You know, that also plays a part in as far as these rankings is that hey, you know you. When you take over a new system, you know, doing it is something where a lot of times you may look at it and it's like, you know, I I know what they, that, you know, whoever was doing it before me was thinking when they did this, but maybe I disagree a little bit with this. And, hey, I, you know, it's, a, again, it's a collective ranking, but the first ranking that goes in that then is discussed is your ranking and your top 10 and your top 30. And then Jim Callis, John Manuel and all discuss it and kind of may throw things back at you like, hey, you know. We, I like this guy a little better, but it's starting with you know the 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 foundation of it is is the you know the rankings as you put them together. Yeah, absolutely, and sometimes you know other guys just get better. Right. I mean, other guys. Sean Doolittle's I mean, number yeah. ten. Sean Doolittle's a, a pretty interesting prospect. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, we talked about him obviously moving to right field a bit this year. He was banged up with his had a couple of knee problems, but I mean he's he's a professional hitter. I mean that's part of the reason I ranked him. Another you know popular question yesterday was uh was why didn't Corey Brown make the top ten? I, th- I mean, I think Sean Doolittle is a much safer bet to hit than Corey Brown. I mean, Brown has la- louder physical tools, but I mean, the hit tool is the yeah, most important tool. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't do any good when you're you know if you're batting two ten. So you know, if you if you have questions about a guy who's going to hit, yeah. there is no one in the big leagues who is. There are guys who are really good defensively who play in the big leagues, but yeah. I mean, especially these days, there's not an impact player in the big leagues who can't hit yeah. as far as a position player. Uh, you're a fourth outfielder. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're you know we're not in the in the seventies. Ozzy Smith could do that before yeah. he learned, you know, to to hit a little bit. And then you had guys like Pedro Figueroa and Tyson Ross really stepping up on the mound. They're the A's top two top two pitching prospects now. And, uh, and when they I draft really, Grant Green, they draft Max Stassi. Those are you know they trade you know bring in Taylor. They, I mean, you know, really like seven, eight, nine, ten. Weeks, Desmi, Cardenas, Doolittle are all guys. I mean. I don't think that really any of them did anything to hurt themselves no. this year as far as prospect status, but the, the system got a little deeper, did it? Well, not deeper, but 
hitting wise, I mean, they didn't move up because guys leaped in front of them. Yeah, yeah, they added some. They added more impact hitters was the, the big difference, and and then you know, obviously Desmae steps up into that into that picture as well. But especially Max Stassi was a guy I'd like to talk about too. He's like it, it was hard to fill out the the weaknesses portion for him because it, I mean obviously high school catchers it's it's it can be um, a crapshoot I guess is a way to put it with those guys. But I mean it was everyone that I talked to from scouts to you know the front office people everyone just was raving about him that he's that that guy's a big leaguer that he's you know he's great he's got great defensive potential he can hit and the only things that are wrong with him are just you know what's normally wrong with an 18 year old that he sometimes he'll get over regret he'll overswing sometimes and he's not very fast which is normal for a right, catcher which is not a real problem yeah. for a catcher I mean that's uh, the, so and I mean he's a guy, I I mean I really I'm I'm re- I'm really uh, excited to see what he can do this year and. That's it's funny when you talk about that. It, it is true. Like the weaknesses section gets easier to fill out. Actually, it seems like as a guy moves up, because you know when you're talking about a guy coming out of high school, uh, th- some of the warts that will show up aren't even there yet necessarily, because he's you know he's been dominating his competition. And I know scouting, you look at it, but as good as a scout may be, you know you're not going to know how well a guy can handle. Like maybe he has a problem with you know. You know, with the you know with slider, you know, with really good sliders, he hadn't seen those yet. No, and that's the kind of thing that you're talking about. A guy double A, triple A. Usually, it's like when you talk to when you're talking to guys, especially outside the organization, about a guy. You know, there's a laundry list of oh well, he needs to do this, this, and this. And it's funny but when you're talking to the high school guys. It's you know, a guy just on the draft. All they've ever done is dominate. So it's like, well, you know, he really does well this. He really does well this. And we'll see about these things. You know, he's got these problems, but they're the problems of he's an 18 year old. Yeah. You know. But well, Jim, thanks for your uh, your podcast debut. I, I you know I think this has been. I, I, obviously, we'll be hearing Jim again because this has been a good podcast. <laughs> I hope so. I hope we get back on here. You know, but and we want to remind you again that when it comes to buying a baseball bat, D Marini just changed the game. Introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from D Marini before you buy, because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free. So get the season started right. Visit your nearest demo house today. Locations and full details can be found at demarini.com backslash demo house. And we'll be back again next week. We actually will not be doing a top ten. I feel pretty confident, though, that we'll have a college podcast because starting to roll out our college preview. Kind of now that we finish the top ten, we, we jump into the college. We'll have the college preview. And then as far as the issues, then we'll be jumping back into the uh, the top hundred before long. So we'll have our kind of our, our off-season wrap-up at the top hundred Next week also, at the very end of the week, early next week after that, we hopefully should be getting the prospect handbooks in. So a lot coming up on the podcast. also want to remind you to check out our Twitter feed, Twitter slash, twitter.com slash Baseball America. And thing to mention this week on the podcast, we also now have a Baseball America page on Facebook. So you come can go. Come be our friend. Yeah, come be our friend. We got, I think, 1,600 as we record this, uh, which we only opened it up last week. On the Facebook, you know, you can be our friend, but also we do post on there. Like I try to get on there in the morning and get some idea of what we have coming up today on the website. We have, you know, discussion questions on, like I know we had one this week on who do you think is the number one prospect, uh, Steven Strasburg or Jason Hayward, those kind of things. We have. Yeah, we definitely have some plans for Facebook. Right. So there's different ways you can interact with us and interact also with, you know, fans of baseball and fans of baseball. So uh, check us out there. You can also find that. You can look for us on Facebook, just Baseball America, or 
the other thing, the easier way probably is just go to if you go to baseballamerica.com, click on our uh, our press room, and we have a link straight to our page. So a couple different ways to check that out. We thank you all for for the download as always, and we'll see you again next week. So for Jim Schoenert, I'm JJ Cooper. Thanks and goodbye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.